Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereof, welcome once again to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. Um, I, I didn't ask you guys what order you wanted to do announce yourselves in, so we're just going to do it. I'm just going to start. My name is Chris Nelson, probably better known as Rotten Deadite. With me today are... I am Cody Hagee, uh, also known as Order Corvus. I am Putnam, and being the third, that makes this an enantiomorph. <laughs> <laughs> I am Pilaf the Defiler. I love the power glove. It's so bad. <laughs> Alright, and I'm Corey. Uh, Kirkbride calls me Burntface. Howdy. <laughs> so today we are discussing uh, the Thief, the Warrior, and the Mage. Uh, and also a concept called the enantiomorph. Uh, but before, well, I think we're probably going to discuss the enantiomorph. I mean, depending on how things go, that's really tremendously complicated. But um, <laughs> let's sort of start with the, uh, the the concept of the Trinity in general. Now, this was, a, 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 according to my research, which may or may not be flawed, uh, this was a concept that first started possibly as early as Red Guard, but certainly in Morrowind. Uh, probably knowing how these things go was probably invented by Kurt Kuhlman and Michael Kirkbride, and probably a couple other people are involved, but mostly that. Um, and the Trinity is uh, sort of like a, a, a conceptual riff on the role of traditional player characters in role-playing games. So, for example, if you get really, really anal retentive about defining character classes in Dungeons and Dragons, for example, or actually, let's use World of Warcraft, which uh, apparently, statistically, everybody has played. Um, <laughs> you've got basically three types of classes. You've got uh, the tank, you've got the uh, DPS, and you've got the healer. Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of the Trinity in uh, uh, in the Elder Scrolls, the tank is the warrior, mm -hmm. uh, the DPS is the thief, and the healer is the mage. Uh, now, the reason why those align well is because of, is partially, it was for a lot of reasons, but partially because of the way they play. The warrior is um, very conservative and very protective. It's up front in the face of the monster. It's tanking. It's saying, I want all your attention. Um, nothing gets past me and everybody I protect are going to be safe. It's a protecting um, entity, a protecting force. The thief, uh, the DPS, sneaks around behind, real sneaky-like, and stabs the monster in the back and is completely fixated with death in changing the current situation. It's about change, the thief. It's about um, murdering or destroying and, uh, and not getting caught and being very sneaky about things. And then the healer always stands in the back and uh, doesn't actively engage in the in the combat in a way, and uh, if you like, observes what's going on, uh, watches everybody, and does the healing, and makes sure that the event happens properly. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the the Trinity also comes in, is also referred to by another uh, set of terms in the Elder Scrolls community, which is uh, uh, aside from the thief, the warrior, and the mage. It's also uh, the uh, the king for the mate for the um, for the warrior, the rebel for the thief, and generally, generally there are exceptions. Yeah, the the uh, the king, rebel, and the mate. and this gets us closer to the enantiomorphic event, which is an interaction between these three characters that. Uh, uh, produces a result of some kind. Um, and, and that result and the specifics of the event are myriad and varied and complex. And uh, we're going to, at some point or another, try to list off as many as we can. Uh, the enantiomorph as a term, I should probably explain very quickly before we get any further, which is uh, which I first heard about from a comment by Kirkbride on the Bethesda forums in 2006 which was uh, in a thread called the Made Up Word Roundup, which you should Google because it's really freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and he defines the enantiomorph as, I found this in a really, really weird dictionary, 
which chose to explain it as, quote, a merged dichotomy. This is, by the way, before the days of Wikipedia when you could just type something in and Google would tell you what the hell it meant. <laughs> in the Elder Scrolls, the enantiomorph is most commonly used to describe to, is most commonly used to refer to the really really weird mythic figure of Arctus who is Septum. We're talking about Talos here for those of you at home. I'll allow others to play with this until I get back to it, as there's some good takes that certain lore masters have on the enantiomorph. Well, people sat down with that and analyzed the Jesus out of it, and if you're at all familiar with the Talos myth of the, the creation of Talos and Tiber Septum, you'll know that Tiber Septum, or Talos, I should say, is an amalgamation of arguably three, but almost certainly at least two souls. Um, Zurin Arctus, the mage, uh, Hilti Earlybeard, the uh, thief, and uh, Tiber Septum himself, the warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or or Wolf Arthur. Yeah, it uh, again. It, it's really complex, <laughs> and unfortunately, not not tremendously well described, which has been something that we've been as a community have been trying to work on. At least um, so, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, true. So, and then also we have, uh, as far as the enantiomorph goes, we have another post later on uh, that Kirkbride makes where he's talking about the elements of the enantiomorph, where there's Nern the feminine land freedom catalyst for birth, death of the enantiomorph, Anu and Padme, the enantiomorph with requisite betrayal, and question mark asterisk, the witnessing shield thane who goes blind or is maimed and thus solidifies the waveform. Um, being And the bliming and maiming uh, creates the, what he calls the final decision. Hmm. And uh, the, that question mark was a bit of a thing for the community for a while in what we call the Amaranth Hunt, which I was involved in, where we were trying to figure out who could have witnessed the Anu Padme near, near uh, event. And um, that ended. It ended. There was an answer. Mm-hmm. There was an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, we're not going to go into it today, but it was uh, complicated. So, um, so I think what we should probably do at this point is just try to name as many uh, enantiomorphic events or enantiomorphs as we can. Oh, so okay. I'm going to go with uh, uh, from left to right on my screen here. Aether, do you want to? Oh, uh, start whisking stuff off. Yeah, the tribunal. Good tribunal. We're talking about Vivex, Sophocles, and Amalexia. Mm-hmm. Who are? Vivek the thief, Amalexia the warrior, Sothasil as the mage. Okay. Uh, Cody, you want to go next? Uh, well, I was going to say the tribunal, so now I'm having to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got one that nobody will think of. I just made it up on the spot practically, but I think it might actually work. Okay. I'm waiting for others. Oh, okay. I'm going to think this one through. <laughs> uh, well, Josh, you're next if Cody wants to wait. Well, I think we should mention the the um, celestials themselves, the um, the astrological signs, the the mage, uh, the thief, and the um, warrior. And each of those actually has three charges. So there are many intentiomorphs within the larger intentiomorph. And I have my own theory about the Tyberceptum one that um, that involves that. I think that the warrior. I, mean, I think that the king. Is three people. The rebel is three people, and the witness is three more people. So that type okay. nine people or more. But that's that's a very vestigial thought that I'm having that I haven't fully. But that that's the best way I can think of to fit both Parth and Arcus and Yalti and Talos and all these different people, maybe even Kulakane, into this same oversoul. Is that well, there's three points on the triangle, but each of those points is its own triangle, and perhaps it's mm-hmm. triangle all the way down and all the way up. Perhaps it's like it's almost like quantum physics. It gets very complicated. <laughs> well, the the, the the wave the quantum physics waveform is something that Kirkbride referred to a few times when trying to explain the enantiomorph, which is the idea of the oscillating waveform. The, the, you know, the uh, I'm, I'm not going to try to explain quantum physics on this podcast because I'll no. fail. But uh, but the idea being that the particle wave is uh, the dichotomy, the rebel and the uh, warrior, and then observing the particle 
uh, is the observer, which then collapses the waveform and makes it do a definite thing instead of a a lot of possibility. A, po- a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. It instead performs one specific task. Uh, like and that that's kind of I think kind of the the main role of the mage or the observer is to make sure that the rebel and the king don't constantly oscillate. And in fact, one wins and one loses. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this one just, just to, to, uh, to irritate my good friend, Evan Smith, but uh, Tullius, Ulfric, and the last dragonborn is the observer, king, rebel, observer. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, the civil war in Skyrim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually going to ask later for examples from Skyrim. Um, So we could, I would also like to mention, uh, or well, Putnam, do you have anything? Uh, Yeah. uh, Glarthir, Thamriel, and what was the third one? Thurindil from Oblivion. The three, the three insane Bosmer who (laughs) happened to be around. Like, yeah, there's three insane Bosmer. Uh, Thamriel, is very much uh, mystic-minded. She talks about things that she sees and such like that. Uh, Glarthir is very much a, you know, a shady fellow, wants mm-hmm. to kill people all the time for being going behind his back. And Thurindil just kind of talks about itchy clothes and fish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's a good one. I did not know that one. That's really good. I didn't even... Think about it until a few seconds ago. Yeah. I should mention that um, thinks that there's three people who are plotting to murder him. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Ooh. So, um, uh, uh, okay, but who was the who was the uh, the big fan? Who was the? <laughs> well, he's not crazy. He's just a bit uh, annoying. No, he's got a funny hair. <laughs> yeah. He's a dumb kid. Um, like, oh, I worship you. So Morrowind, I should say, is probably, I mean, just I spend a lot of time analyzing the crap out of Morrowind, so maybe I'm biased here, but it, Morrowind probably has the most clear examples of the enantiomorphic relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, aside from the, aside from Alnsivi, which we've already mentioned, Vivek, Sothisil, and Amalexia, we also have the three great houses of Morrowind, yeah. which would be uh, Red, well, Red, uh, Red Aran, the mage, Lalu, the thief, and Telvanni, the mage. Um, also the three vampire clans that you can join if you become a vampire are divided up pretty clearly into thief warrior and mage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Imperial, um, uh, factions are also. Hey, how would you divvy this up? The Nerevarine, the Empire, and Dagoth Ur. How, or maybe, maybe the Nerevarine, Dagoth Ur, and who? The Temple? I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a good match here. I've read one. See, I would go with, I would, would go with. the observer for I, it, it, if I were to divvy that, I would go with Nerevar, uh, uh, Dumac, Dumac and Dagother. Yeah, okay, that yeah. works. Or, um, well, I think the Nerevarine is involved in a few, uh, Nerevar. Well, yeah, actually, I would probably argue for, um, Alandra Sewell for the, for the witness for yeah. Nerevar and mm-hmm. Dumac. There's yeah. also the uh, Nerevar, uh, Dagother, uh, the Vec one that's sort of hinted at, though I'm not sure where that comes from mm-hmm. exactly. A little bit, yeah. So Vivek stabs, spoiler alert, Vivek stabs Nerevar in the back and Dagother witnesses it. Sure. Vivek <laughs> can almost be an enantiomorph in and of himself. Yeah, easily. <laughs> he's, a bit, sure. he's a bit split down the middle. Yeah. Vec mm-hmm. <laughs> and Vec. Uh, and um, and then there's also the idea of the Nerevarine being a rebel to uh, Dagother's king, with Vivek being the witness who watches the event happen. Well, that Nerevarine, not only not only well, I mean, Vivek straight lays it out. The so 36 mm-hmm. sermons are, I mean, they're yep. the Nerevarine's guide. Uh, yeah. What did he say? He, he, says, out, he says outright, like in the, in uh, when he's talking about the uh, the Nervar and uh, Dagothur, he's uh, the Charmate. He says, you know, well, uh, eleven is an inelegant number, one and one. Can you tell the difference between Dagothur and Nervar? And he says, yeah, like you can't tell the difference, but I can, and that's why you'll need me. So there's the there's the mage saying right out, this is where I'm useful. Oh. Right on. 
So the uh, um, so another aspect to the three uh, personalities of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, Enantium Wharf is the ideas of um, <clears throat> uh, mercy, mystery, and mastery. But I I don't exactly think that we let's not let's not get too far into that because also I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that on my uh, website. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the whole thing. Um, oh, and really quick, there is there is a temptation that some people have to try creating an analog between the Trinity in the Elder Scrolls and the Holy Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there is somewhat of an analog there, but you're going to get frustrated really fast. And I'm saying that because I've tried to do it. <laughs> There's a lot of Trinities and not all of them. Match I would all say yeah, exactly. you'd probably have better luck going to older mythologies if you're mm. going to do that. Uh, um, so um, somebody, I don't think anybody mentioned this, or maybe they did and I wasn't paying attention, but is there an enantiomorphic event at the end of Oblivion? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then who's who? Um, okay, so Dagon is king. Sure. Martin is the rebel and you're the observer. Okay. Okay, Dagon's the king? Yes. Dagon is king. Dagon is invading. But yeah. Now, keep in mind, Martin is related to the king. Is literally and the king at that point. Is literally the king at that point, and Dagon is invading the king's territory. But mm. Dagon claims the territory as his own, or so says Cameron. Well, that's a I, opinion. <laughs> I, how, how far how far off the rails into crazy fan theory do we want to go here? All, oh, all the way off the rails, dude. Dude, clear clear off this is an anthropomorphs. Okay. We're yeah. going. Let's let's go deep here. Uh, my own interpretation of this event. Um, is uh, a lot of people seem to take Meron's Dagon as being a, a force of evil, uh, and he's kind of presented that way, but uh, you see destructive forces in old mythologies, uh, forces like Thor, Indra, Apep, uh, presented as forces for positive change through destructive revolution energy. Um, I don't think, personally... Let's let's assume for a moment Mankar was right. Mankar's claims were uh, completely right, and let's go completely off the rails in terms of uh, Mayrun's Dagon's origin. Um, my own little pet theory here that I've been been working on for a while is that Mayrun's Dagon is uh, Magnus returned. Ooh, ooh, as the leaper king. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, who leaps higher than Magnus? None. <laughs> he left. Hey. He leaps well, through the infinite expanse and just left. Uh, he was not. He was not hurts. there. He was not there to claim Nern as his own. He was there as a knight, as an agent of his lord, to restore his lord to power in his own realm. I like that the enantiomorph oh. between them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. You're going to have to think about that for a while. I'd like to talk to you about the three enantiomorphs that are in Oblivion. Um, okay. well, hold on. Before we go there, okay. can, I just, can I just say for a second that kind of Marin's Dagon, he completed his mission, even though he was defeated. I'm doing air quotes right now, and I can't see them. Okay. <laughs> so whether or not Martin Septim is the king or the rebel, it's almost interchangeable. But, and I don't, I don't know if the, the champion can be anything uh, anything other than the observer. I mean, I'm, I'm second-guessing myself here. Maybe he could be I, the king. I, I, I when kind you of meet him in him. Skyrim, when you meet Sheogorath in Skyrim, he's blinded. Uh, he appears to be blinded. He appears to have blind eyes. He's oh. literally blinded by the event, apparently. No, which is Good one. I like that. That's true. That's so, I I don't know which is which, but what I do know is that Mayron's Dagon completed his mission. Well, he completed upsetting. Well, he, he he completed his mission of changing Akatosh's little uh, pet Cal Kalpa. Sure. Yeah, I could buy that. It's a pretty reasonable sure statement. Enough. He successfully led a revolution. I, I completely forgot. Um, geez, man, I should have mentioned this at the very beginning. Part, another central part of the of the rebel king and thief is the tower. Yeah, yeah. Which is the um, 
what we're talking about here is that the uh, the uh, the king is said to protect the tower mm-hmm. uh, that the rebel, the thief, is invading mm-hmm. to either topple the king from the tower or steal something from the king, which could be uh, usually most people think of treasure, but but that treasure could be knowledge or something. Um, And this is actually really important because there's two major things that like that we talk about in the lore that comes from this. The first one being the idea of the tower at the center of the wheel and the metaphysics of Chim, which is uh, that the rebel is the person attempting to steal the knowledge of Chim from the king who is the Godhead protecting his tower, which is the structure of reality. And uh, this also goes into uh, 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 the uh, concept of the prisoner, which is a a great thing that we definitely have to talk about because every single Elder Scrolls game, aside from the Elder Scrolls Adventures game, uh, and I think, arena possibly maybe arena does too but every single elder scrolls yeah every single elder scrolls game starts with the main character the player as a prisoner of some kind i think so in, and what is uh yeah that's true. both start as with you as a prisoner too yeah. so yeah so you are like in uh morwind you're being delivered uh by uh by the empire um and uh and 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 uh yeah and saint, and saint jub and then, uh, and then in Oblivion, you're you're breaking out of jail because you've been thrown there for whatever reason. But <laughs> the Dunmer across the road assures you that you're going to die in here. Um, and then, uh, and then in Skyrim, you've been picked up for what I assume is horse thieving or something. Who knows? You're crossing, um, crossing the border illegally. Right. Exactly. But the in point that- about. Uh, the point about the prisoner is the reason why the prisoner is so important in the Elder Scrolls games is because generally speaking, it's considered that the player is in some way playing out the role of the thief. And the reason why the prisoner is more powerful than the thief is because while the thief has to break into the tower, the prisoner is already in it. Daggerfall is pretty, actually pretty powerful when it comes to this. In Daggerfall, you don't start as a prisoner, but your backstory says you were a prisoner. Right. Like saved the emperor's child or something, then was led out by the emperor for that. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of stuff, pretty thiefy stuff to get up to in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being mm-hmm. being it, Breton's being involved, there's some political intrigue there. <laughs> hmm. So, um, so very important things: towers, thieves, warriors, mages. Um, the mage always resides in the tower as well. Yes, true. There is a possibility that the mage resides in or is involved with the tower in some way. As a matter of fact, you could probably say that all three of these characters are basically revolving around the tower, that they yeah. have something to do with the tower. The tower is the axle. Hmm. So um, I love it when people do things for me ahead of time. I've got a list that somebody compiled. I couldn't find the original post, so I found it instead on a Chinese link bait website. Yay. Um, where somebody listed off the number of enantiomorphic events you could figure out in Skyrim. Hmm. I'd submit these for your approval. Yeah, let's hear them. The, the Civil War, which we've already mentioned. Yes. Uh, if you play Dawnguard as a vampire. Oh. Uh, Harkon being the king, the Dovahkiin vampire being the rebel, and Sariana as the observer. Hmm. Serrano observes the whole thing and is maimed because she loses any chance of regaining happiness as a family again. Yep. Uh, in the Dragonborn expansion, the Dovahkiin and Mirak are the king and the rebel, where lines get really blurry between the two, and I agree. That is one thing important thing to keep in mind is that um, as these stories become more than just two-dimensional rebel-king relationships, the who, who's the rebel and who's the king becomes very hard to tell. And that's not because they didn't define them well. It's because if you just keep it that black and white, it's kind of a boring goddamn story. Yeah. Um, so and so the lines are blurry between the two, but Hermaeus Mora is the observer, which fits because Hermaeus Mora also aligns well with the mage as a general archetype. Hmm. I thought uh, could be the king there, and Mirak the rebel, and the Dovahkiin could be the observer, sort of, because the yeah. Dovahkiin has to work for Mora Dovahkiin after that. Is the interloper in the conflict there? Yeah, mm-hmm. and Mirak was trying to do whatever with. Yeah. I don't quite remember. I haven't played it in a while, but Can I remember that. Mora was not happy with him. 
reason. Here's my thinking. Mora's the one that kills Mirak, who is rebelling against him. So uh, Mora's the king. The, the, the mm-hmm. last dragonborn is the witch. Yeah. And Mirak is the rebel. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But Mora only kills him after the Dovahkiin has effectively whittled him down to nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy. By any no. Threat, but. Well, but one of the things about the about the Trinity and the anti-morphic relationship is that it pretty much describes almost any plot you can think of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, does. it describes Star Wars for God's sake. I mean, it's, I was about it's to say. like, yeah, it, it's pretty much any plot line you could think of. Which is, on one hand, you might think of as that's kind of a cop out, but on the other hand, this is the basic mythic construction of all story storytelling. You know that like all stories have one thing in common, which is that there's a change happening. And that's what the enantiomorphic event is about. It's about the event of change, which is um, uh, uh, a big part of the whole metaphysical structure of the Elder Scrolls universe. The, the realm of Mundus is called the gray maybe because uh-huh. it's a combination of black and white, which means gray, and maybe is the possibility of a change happening. Uh-huh. It's the... Um, yes yeah, it's the yes or no or maybe that's the magic word, and you uh, and and you have to uh, and that's what the uh, Elder Scrolls uh, get the games themselves are about is about the player becoming the deciding factor in determining um, how events happen. Uh, in in a way, the player is largely the observer for a lot of things, except that's actually kind of a weak sauce analogy, and I probably shouldn't have made it because he's entirely too involved. So never mind. But um, um, so okay. Any other ideas for Skyrim? Because I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, uh, well, the Falmer were literally blinded. Um, mm. Trying to figure out how that fits in with anything, though. Um, yeah, were they a witness to something? Oh, you still Nords uh, and Nords and dwarves. It was yeah. due to the Nord and Dwemer conflict that they were well the nord and falmer conflict that they were blinded for uh well the the dwemer are never expelled from skyrim even against well they're scary right <laughs> I mean, the no, well, that's scary, because but... the dwemer the dwemer were part of the uh part of resdania when the uh, dwemer and the chinmer lived as one to rebel to uh fight off and rebel against the their occupation by the nords uh, also, i don't recall I don't recall the city-states of Skyrim being a part of Resdania. They're Dwemerith at this time, I thought, all by themselves. The city-states of Skyrim? Yeah, they actually warred against each other. Over the, the Nords, in, the, in the, the great war between Resdania and Skyrim, they threw the Nords out of Morwind. It wasn't Skyrim as a whole, though. It was like Eastern Skyrim, because mm-hmm. well, he's right. He's right. There was like this weird thing going on in the central plains of Skyrim where different Nordic Jarls were fighting over like the dwarven materials and stuff, but mm-hmm. there was definitely a strong military force that occupied parts of what we would consider Morrowind. Uh, I've got another one. There's the Dragon War. Um, the rebels would obviously be the Nords. The dragons would be the king, including Alduin. And I think maybe either the gods or Kine? the yeah Kine or the Elder Scrolls, the witness. The Elder Scrolls was the witness. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls the witness because you because it saw what happened and you can like. Use it to see. You can go back and yeah, die. that's true too. Yeah. Or maybe just uh, the, or the the no no time itself is the witness. Time is the witness. No, it has a wound. The snow throat is. Time is wounded. No, the snow, snow throat, throat, throat. The snow throat is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that's a good one. I like that too. Yeah. I guess since it's time, that well, time dragon, whatever, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. Yeah, Akatosh is the is the witness. <laughs> could be. Because he's wounded, he's maimed and blinded, but you know, through the Elder Scroll, he can still see what happened. Uh, Cody or Josh, before I rudely got you guys off topic about my aside about uh, Dagon, what were you guys going to say? I don't remember who well, said what. In Vanilla Oblivion, I can name three. At the beginning of the game, you witness the king being Myrtle, 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 he's Myrtle, 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 Myrtle the turtle, the rebel, Cameron himself, but he is a, he is like an arm of Mankar Cameron, so you could say that Mankar Cameron <laughs> murdered um, um, the dragonborn, so that is, uh, Uriel was the king, 
Mankar's agent was the rebel and you're the witness. And when you go into paradise, you are accompanied by this high elf man who regrets his actions, who is the witness as you murder the king, Mankar Cameron, and his tower, uh, which is paradise, collapses around him and you have his amulet. And then there's the final one where um, I would have put Dagon as the rebel, but you're right because um, the rebel is the one that does the killing. So Akatosh is the rebel. Mayroon's Dagon is the king, and you are the witness. So there are actually three major events in the main plot of the game. And what about the not, crazy Bosmer? That's not, well, <laughs> in the main plot, there's all kinds of little trinities going on. In, in um, I mean, you could say Knights of the Nine, there's an Intantiomorph event, you know. Oh, um, sure. And you could say that in, uh, definitely in Shivering Isles, there's a very... Dark Brotherhood. There's a very... Mm, Dark Brotherhood, too, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of stuff going on. They they play with that a lot. I think they purposely put lots of that into the storytelling to see if they turn towers and stones into. Or no, wait. I actually don't know the chronology in this one. Did they turn towers and stones into a gameplay mechanic, or were the towers and stones from the gameplay mechanic? No. Uh, you're talking about the 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 uh, the, uh, the the Numantia interest. No, not Numantia. Numantia Is it? Yeah. yeah, where they're talking about the towers, Snowthrope being one of them, and walks brass and all that kind of stuff. The, yeah. To the best of my knowledge, that concept had never shown up in any game or anything like that until Kirkbride mentioned it in that yeah. text. Yeah, that's not to say that they weren't in the games, but they yeah. weren't named as that in the well, games. And the way he did, he wrote about it, kind of like, and in a conversation, I have a log of a conversation between him and Kurt that sort of alludes to the idea that. Kuhlman kind of already considered that to be the case, that there were these powers. And Skyrim just sort of confirmed really put a name it, to it. And mm-hmm. online just sort of went yeah, crazy with it. Just, yeah. <laughs> shoves it down your throat hardcore. It's like, there's lots of power lore in, in ESO. There's tons. It's all related. Awesome. If anybody out there is watching this video, if you haven't seen, if you haven't started playing Elder Scrolls online yet, I, mm. I was the biggest hater of, of ESO. Yeah, like, we all were. would not believe how, how venomous I was about this game until I started playing it. It's freaking excellent. The writers I, know what they're doing. Yeah, they really, really do. Really do. <laughs> they got access to a world, and they really went with it really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone in here was on the hate train at one point, right? Oh, and sure. then we played it. Terribly. Yeah. And then we repented. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so take it from us. Um... I was going to say something, and then I forgot. Uh oh. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. I about... find it funny how some of these ideas, these notions, and anthropomorphs, towers, and stones, and uh, you know, the stuff always comes out, and it's always met with a lot of resistance. I, I noticed one like while I was playing online, just back in the beta, I think, like you could construe the whole Mana Marco, uh, whoever it was, thing. I haven't played it in a long time either. As something like that, I I honestly would not be surprised if we see the alliances of ESO uh, alliance as the story drags on, uh, sort of portrayed as an anthropomorph event themselves. Mm-hmm. But the alliances themselves, one of them's going to become the warrior and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the one led by I guess the one that's supposedly led by the Nords, but is actually led by all Malexia, both of whom are very warriory. <laughs> If I were to guess at one. Oh, she doesn't Seems like a safe bet. Hmm? She's, she totally, like, she's just a religious figurehead. Like, she's all powerful and everything, but she totally lets the Nord guy run it. Like, he's in charge. But there's a tribunal. There's a, there's an Argonian, a Nord, and a Dark Elf. So they're really mm-hmm. powerful, but the High King of Skyrim is, like, the main guy. It's that way in all three of them, really. Oh, I was going to. I remember I was going to say. They did, they did too. One of the things that I and I know a lot of other people were really unsure about was this this alliance, the Ebonheart Pact in particular. Yeah. I mean, all of them, all, all three of the alliances have some uncomfortable parts about them. Yeah. But the Ebonheart Pact, I mean, you're getting three people who absolutely despise one another. Oh, yeah. It comes uh, up for an overtake. And it, you know, it was one of those things I was saying, why are they, why are they doing this? Why put these three races together? And you play it in the game, and it works out beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the the discomfort is palpable. 
Yeah. Not the entire Ebonheart quest line. Yeah. I've heard more about, like, that Dunmer saying that they can't figure out why good things happen to Argonians more than I've heard about yeah. arrows and knees, and that counts online time. Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's some early quest that you do for the Ebonheart pack where you're curing Dunmer who are injured with a salve or a balm or something made by an Argonian. And every one of the NPCs you cure stands up and goes, an Argonian made this? Well, yeah, that was an word. Yeah, that was an Yeah, dude, yeah. (laughs) I wanted to, about the tower and the stone thing, to get back off topic off the point we're going on. Sorry. But apparently, someone made the correlation that, except with the exception of Arena, which again is another, can be argued, every single flagship game has involved the destruction of a tower. Mm Mm-hmm. Of bringing down reality. So, and so we know some off here. Let's see. Um, da- a two Daggerfall would have been the destruction uh, of Watch uh, Brass, yeah, Walking Brass, or something, um, or whatever happened okay. to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was started. It was kickstarted and then disappeared. I guess. Um, oh, it was used it, by everyone. It freed it, yeah, freed it from reality or some stuff. Right. Morrowind would be the destruction of Red Mountain. Yeah, or the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Skyrim would supposedly be the destruction of Stone Throat. Stone Throat. Yeah. Apparently that happened in White Hand, though, based on what the prophecy said. Yeah. No, it said right? bleeding, kind of not gone. It said bleeding. No, it's mm-hmm. the wound at the top of the mountain. I don't know how much more. Wounds bleed, don't die. Yeah. The way I look at it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's have, good. Not. About that. You have the Orichalic Tower, which we know is deactivated because Yakota's gone. And then we have we have the uh, Crystal-like Law, which was destroyed during the Oblivion Crisis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, which would be... I don't think we really heard about threat, that directly, did we? Yeah, and no. the... Rising Threat, I think, is the book where it talks about... Rising Threat. I highly doubt Green Sap is down based on what online says it is. Well, the, they said something about how the. Uh, oh no, no wait! It was the 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 Khajiit had been. Uh, yeah, the mains destroyed. Corrupted by the Thalmor, and there's they no main anymore. Who is the so stone? That's, right? right. Actually, he was actually killed physically. Uh, yeah. And one hasn't been remade. So. Right. So. Adamantia and Green Sap. So yeah, Adamantia and Greensap were all that remains. So, yes. so but Greensap, I don't know if we can argue that Greensap's been neutralized. Well, with the, it, in my in my opinion, it's on its way because the Thalmor are alienating all the followers of Ifri from yes. what we could see. Like the purifications were almost all aimed at Green Pactors. Yeah. So there's that. And then we have Adamantia that remains. And Adamantia being, was that? That's Dereni Tower, which is in High Rock? Yeah, High Rock on the Isle of Alphiria. And it's stone being the moment of creation or whatever that was? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. For for those of you at home, um, Adamantia is the first tower uh, that was constructed. Created by the first Enantiomorph. Yeah. Uh, or, well, not the first, not but the first. first but the, well, I guess if you consider time. Convention. Yeah, well, anyway. Convention was technically the first one, right? So, Anu and Padme would be the first one. Talos is still around, sort of. So that's another tower created by another enantiomorph. Mm. Well, see, but that's the problem with Talos was that ta- like there's only supposed to be eight towers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One tower for every gift limb. And the problem with Talos was that he was effectively introducing a ninth tower that the Altmer, that the uh, Thalmor did not have the ability to directly destroy by just marching up and doing something, which is one of the reasons why they banned Talos worship is because Talos is necessary, is yeah. it was effectively sort of like a crutch holding up the, the structure of the universe. Wasn't he activated, wasn't his stone literally destroyed at the end of Oblivion? Like, it can't even be depicted anymore. Like, they don't even draw it over the dragon. Oh, you're talking about the... Yeah, yeah you're talking was... about the diamond dragon shape that, that shows up in Skyrim's logo, which was a plan that they had so that the logo itself of the Empire, of Talos's logo of the Empire, 
could not be drawn or painted or anything because it would effectively like catch fire or blow up or something. Or imagine. I think I think that was actually a really just awesome theory. I don't know. Yeah, it I, would have been a programming nightmare to implement. Yeah, I, mean, I understand why. Uh, but that was one of the ideas that, and it's a curious thing to explore. I don't know. It was one of the things Michael Kirkbride was talking about in a Reddit thread. Spend um, an hour shooting oh, that diamond. That, that the idea that Talos at the time of Skyrim is already dead. Yeah. Um, he said that their their original idea, and we don't know. I don't know if this stands as canon for whatever that's worth at this point yeah. or not. But, <laughs> Screw that. Um, it's a cool idea, so it's canon. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, rule of cool kicks in, and, and the fact that everything else seems to support it. Uh, but the idea that they, they use the, I, I believe, Adamantia Tower to shoot Talos out of heaven. Mm-hmm. And, Talos uh, seems to be, in a Skyrim, just an excuse to rebel against the Empire. Against the right, because only Nords are dumb enough to fight other Nords over the right to worship a Briton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because uh, Talos has been described as kind of the, you know, the metal casting between, you know, on the wheel of the spokes mm-hmm. that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you have to knock out all the spokes before you can knock out? No, you just have to undo the screws. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because uh, you get into the mythopoesis or whatever. So if enough people... <laughs> if if people stop worshiping Talos and Talos ceases to exist, his power ceases to exist. And we know for a fact that a lot of Nords still worship him, and we know that a lot of Imperials still do. Talos admits it himself. Yeah. In the so, that he's a Talos worshiper. Yeah. I mean, every every single Imperial in the game almost uh, will secretly admit to you at some so, point or another that they worship Talos. I mean, it's not even. It's yeah. not even a secret, really. So the thing comes is that, you know, at the end of Skyrim, uh, Titus Mede II is assassinated, a strong Colovian. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Nibineans love nothing more than their than their tradition of the Eight Divines and Akatosh. So I believe it's only a matter of time that the uh, Nibineans come back into power and Talos slowly dies, if not by the White Gold Concordant, just by the traditions of Nibine. Do you think that the Nibineans were the group, were part of the background of the group responsible for assassinating um, the last septum? Uh, the last septum? Um, no, or, um, I uh, think. Yeah, uh, or whatever. The guy you kill at the end of spoiler alert at the end of the uh, uh, Dark Brotherhood quest in Skyrim. Oh, do uh, I believe Titus that Mead. Titus? Titus, Mead. Titus, Titus Mead the second are a part of killing him? Absolutely, you bet. Okay. You bet. Here's the thing, though. I don't think they're going to try to like take the Mead dynasty off the throne, but they're going to do like the Elder Council did during the Septums, and they're going to like purposely groom the little kid that is most like them. Like it was an Imperial. I think. Friends. I think it's going to be an interregnum between bastards, in my opinion. It was Motiere who told you to. Who was the one who t- wanted to assassinate the Emperor? He's a Breton. Yeah, yeah. raise your hand yeah. if you killed him too. From Coral, because his ancestor was in the Dark Brotherhood quest line. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was. That was that was blatant fan service. Yeah. I love that shit. I love it. I love it when they do yeah. that. I adore that. Nice. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad thing, just that it was blatant fan service. Running into Saint Job in the uh, in the uh, uh, in the uh, Soul Cairn, I was totally like, "Oh, this is such bullshit fan service," and I'm eating it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why. That's why. That's why New Vegas was better. You know what, I, you know what I love about right. the <laughs> you know what I love about the Saint Job quest. It, it, it involves a moral character, and you have to find things without quest markers. Mm. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> our, our our love or hating of quest markers. Um. Right. Well, shit. This took a lot less time than I thought it would. Um. Hey, we can go on. It's it's not too it's not too difficult to concept, and you really simplify it enough. It's well, three people yeah. who fit certain archetypes. Not three people, three things that fit certain archetypes. I are there actually any anatomors that don't involve things that have much will or much thought? Well like, you could argue you could argue that a lot of the Atada don't have much will or thought. Yeah. You could not. argue that. Especially before some the, of them like Yeah. Before the creation of the of Mundus, they in fact are actually planning out a pre planned 
series of events. Like they don't have any choice. Mundus has to be created every uh, Arbic cycle because yeah. they have no that because the only the occupants of Mundus have something like something resembling free choice. I would argue. I'm actually actually I would probably put down safe money that Bethesda developers would tell would say exactly the opposite. But oh, um, but in my but in but I, I like the the theme of Mundus being the only place where free will exists um i know that uh haskell in that one uh interview with oh yeah who was who's playing haskell then yeah peterson i'm pretty sure it was peterson yeah they said stuff about like oblivion politics and things that mortals have comprehension of but then again he is haskell even if he seems sane, yeah. he's still part of shale gorath and the, there's also the, the the concept of like uh, um, like well for example um, a a near random system so like uh, you could say that uh, the Arbus and Aetherius and Oblivion are all collectively part of a, a simulated chaotic system sort of like a random number generator in a computer it's mm-hmm. about as close to seemingly random free will as you can get but in fact it's just very carefully simulated. It and is the dream of Anu, after all. Exactly, and Anu is Anuic. That's the, where the word comes from. So the idea of um, of, of uh, Anu creating something is pre- freaking ridiculous. But then the idea of that something not being pre-programmed is a little easier to believe. I mean, the idea of the Arbus being a uh, a, a, a static repeating uh, infinity is a little bit easier for me to believe then you than anything else. I'm not sure if we went over too much about the blur between the king and the rebel. Like, who's the king and the rebel in the convention and Antiomorph between... Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is one of the other aspects of the Antiomorphic event, is that frequently, but not always, I'm willing to bet, but pretty frequently, the king and the rebel change places. So the rebel becomes the king, protecting knowledge or treasure or something. And then the king is knocked down to the base of the tower and becomes the rebel. Like Which the towers one, that, that, depending on where yeah. you put Wolfarth, or if you yeah, put Wolfarth. yeah, if if he's in there at all, yeah. That, that, everything you just said goes hand in hand with what I was saying about Dagon as well. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that it's that that Dagon could have been the king taking back what he used to be, or the rebel or, taking back what he used to be the king of, right? Or as I think, on behalf of the king, uh, is how, how I would put that is Magnus acting as as uh, Lorcan's right hand, his Darth Vader, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know that that's actually kind of a well. Dagother is, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Mehun's Dagon as a, as a, a, a this Darth Vader is not comfortable. Um, and, uh, the there's the uh, something that I saw somebody talking about on uh, El, the Elder Scrolls lore forum recently, which I just the subreddit, which I just wanted to tackle very quickly. Um, that made me realize that I don't know how often this is discussed, but the idea of um, uh, of uh, uh, Jigalag and Shigorath being the Padamaic and Anuic like sides, and so like Jigalag, this guy was struggling with the idea, with the philosophical idea of a fixed system not being uh, a new, uh, not being Anuic because it promotes change by benefit of being a fixed system, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's kind of one of the things that like plays back to the idea of the Enantiomorph to try to feed this back into the topic, which is that. Uh, no one is 100% the rebel or 100% the king. You don't oh, ever no. have an entity that is 100% Anuic or 100% Padamaic. Have an image. Have yeah, exactly. Like uh, um, uh, uh, Shiogorath is supposed to be 100%. Like a lot of people think he's all entirely Padamaic, but mm-hmm. yet and yet he insists on a realm of chaos, mm-hmm. and his insistence on that chaotic state is Anuic. Right. It's a it's an issue of control. And what about that? Uh, what about the Sherman? Uh. He is, he, he, he's hard. <laughs> Guy is hard. <laughs> okay, so there's the a... About the, the thing about uh, about Dagother, the thing about the Charmate, is that he's not... He's one of my favorite characters in Morrowind because he's so damn complicated that you can't really narrow him down to being a good guy or a bad guy. You can't narrow him down to being a victim or a assaultist or whatever. Um, 
it, he he's like because of the way they wrote the background story for the events of that take place in Morrowind, nobody is the good guy and nobody is the bad guy. And it's just awful things that happen to people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's just sort of what makes Morrowind's main plot line such a phenomenal tragedy is mm. that nobody really deserved what happened to them. Yeah. But, and the cool thing is, that even after you win, you're like, hey, Azura, I saved Morrowind. It's going to be all peaches and cream forever. And she's like, yeah, OK. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine for a little while, and then it's all gonna get in a few years. Yeah. You might want to go to Akavir, and I mean, kind of soon. Please go to Akavir. Just go in for a while. I promise it'll be just fine when you get back. Yeah, just just be in Akavir for a little while, sweetheart, and you know we'll call you. <laughs> oh, you'll know. Oh, here's you'll know. It. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll hear I, it. Don't worry about it. The way I <laughs> the antanomorph is is personified in this picture I just posted right there, and the dream. Ooh. That's oh, hey, there you go. So that. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. If you want to put it's, that in the video later, but yeah, they cut they they the guy. Uh, it's the cycle of um, the bur- bur- the death and rebirth of the king over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah, and that's why it's important to the universe. I wanted to kind of touch on why the antanomorph cycle or the or just the dichotomy trichotomy of this. Why is this important to the gray? Maybe. That's because right. it is the maybe. It's like it's change, but changing to something similar. It it's changing both stasis. Yeah, that's what it's time is in general. Really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it. It's the it's the uh, the the procedural cycle of uh, of the maybe as far as a um, as far as far as a possibility that exists that needs to be collapsed into a definite. And you look at a small part of it and you'll think, see, it changes. Then you look at the whole thing and you think maybe it doesn't change after all. Mm-hmm. It's, is, it, is it gray or is it just a whole lot of black and white dots fizzing around on the screen? Yeah. Where it's a computer simulation. Oh my uh, god. It's the Matrix! And, and Talos is the, is the operating system. The way everyone seems to think of all these, the way everyone seems to like the Matrix so much about these kinds of things with Kim and even in like other things, anytime the true nature of the universe comes up when it comes to a video game, like in literature or something, you talk about the true nature of the universe and that could be anything, but in video games it's always, they know they're in a video game. It's Matrix. It's the Matrix. I don't remember which Greek philosopher it was, but it was, do we have free will or do we not? That's what it goes back to. I That's don't like all of them. That's every yeah. Greek philosopher. Like Greek philosopher of all time ever. <laughs> well, I just yeah, stay the, out of the, it the, by, by getting an answer to that, by, by just sticking with an answer to that. <laughs> no. We could uh, we could probably benefit from having a philosophy major on this cast at some point. Because, oh yeah, um, definitely. I, I mean, I, I kind of want to get a, major, a a good philosophy professor involved in the Elder Scrolls universe in the Elder Scrolls lore forums, and I'd really like to get somebody who knows a whole hell of a lot about Hindu mythology. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And uh, the Abrahamic ones. That would be well, the, the Hindu mythology is a self-serving desire of mine, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but the Abrahamic really, yeah. Also, um, uh, the Mithraic mysteries, um, yeah. would be good. Uh, Read some Crowley. The uh, well, I don't know. I'm I'm the more the more I work on the commentaries for the thirty-six lessons, the more I like steering away from Crowley because he's, um. <laughs> it's re- like like the more time you spend reading Aleister Crowley, the more I begin to become convinced that um, uh, just limiting yourself to Crowley analysis will you'll miss ninety percent of what's happening in the in the in the lessons and in Elder Scrolls. Um, meta- limiting meta- yourself to anything, general. you'll miss a lot. Uh, true. Yeah. Of course. Right. Of course. <laughs> like how like how the uh, oh who was it. Uh, 
I don't even remember what this was, like wood elves or Mongols or something, because they used bows, things uh, like that. That's kind of that's that's just. They not thought right. they were Native Americans because they didn't mind having their land taken. I'm sitting here like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What? That's, wow, that, that is, is wrong. It, that is that is wrong on every level I can imagine. It's every conceivable level. That's why. That is that is the most that is the most extreme example, but valid example of why that very discussion is dumb bad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the yeah. fact that each uh, this race is this race. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it tends to get kind of racist too. Like, yeah. well, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, saying that an aspect of one fictional race means that it's one real life race because that real life race has uh, is owned in some way by that aspect is intrinsically racist. Yeah, you know? this this goes this goes back all the way to um, Tolkienism, though. I mean, mm. there are people being like, "Oh well, her it's her, a World her, War her. One analog or yeah, something." Or yeah, or all the dwarves are all Jews and all the yeah. elves are yeah. Yeah, blah, 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 it's, and it's, it's all dumb. Crap, but it's, it's really there. dumb and really... It, well, the thing is, it's it's insulting to both the races, no, it's the real-life races, and it's insulting to the original work as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it basically boils the mythology down to, hey, you're doing nothing more than rehashing... Reality. Races. That we already and, know about. Benefits about people. Except not even reality. Caricatures of reality. I've got to say, if Nords are Vikings, then they're like the crappiest Viking analogy I've ever seen because they don't even behave like them in way, shape, or form. But no, they're, really land, they're a landlocked culture who have permanent societies. They grow crops, and I mean, it's not the actual Vikings were a small minority of Scandinavian raided during like the winter time when they didn't have anything else to do, and they raided churches and stuff. Uh, maybe you don't know much about. Well, I'm not gonna attack your knowledge of. Uh, the Norse, but there was a reason for the rating. There was, you know, it's 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 uh, pretty much colonialism before European colonialism. It was colon- but but listen, the way I'm not saying they're not Vikings, they might be Scandinavian. Oh yeah, yeah, the Nords are not the Nords are not Vikings. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. the were like Viking esque because they actually went around on long boats and came up on shore and raided. But the Nords five hundred companions. Yeah. Or thereabouts, five hundred thereabouts. The five hundred or thereabouts companions also included a bear. So. <laughs> and I think it. And, and, and I think what Isengard Moore's belt was one of their companions. So I don't. His belt. And it's fiction. Yeah, at least three of them were Ismir, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Isengard Moore is more Alexander the Great than than he is a Viking, and his companions are well the companions. Mm-hmm. And more my, Alexander my, than Eric. Yeah, more <laughs> more than Eric. <laughs> so, um, uh, draw well, if you also out. if you if you take a look at like God willing, if Bethesda does decide to do a Hammerfell Elder Scrolls game, please. Oh, yeah. um, then I love I love Hammerfell. Please. Then yes. what we would do is uh, what you would what your uh, what players are going to see is a culture that appears at one point to be. Um, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, Jamaican at points, uh, slightly Rastafarian. Uh, you're going to see a culture that looks Middle Eastern at points. You're going to see a culture that looks sort of North African at points. Yeah, there's a little bit of Japan in there. The yeah, of, Red Guard <laughs> culture is weird even compared to the rest of Tamriel. It's great. It is. It is. It's got it's got inspiration from lots and lots and lots of different cultures that are so geographically separate to have absolutely nothing to do with each other. And that's done on purpose because one thing Bethesda writers hate is when people say, uh, well, the uh, Bretons are Breton or British, you know, they're, like, you know, they're Middle Eastern because they have curved swords. Yeah. Curved swords. The Nordic steel sword is curved. I find yeah, that the one particularly funny. The actual original Nordic swords were curved. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, anyway, yeah. But that's uh, that's just sort of, I don't know. That, I like, like the way the, Nords do hero worship. That's not related. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, sorry, I Another got distracted podcast. by this. I got distracted by this talk of weapons and remembered uh, Iskermore's soup spoon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a... Uh, 
uh, and anyway, so but, but we, we're, we're straying off topic again, and uh, I suppose we could probably call it here. We've been doing this for about forty minutes, so yeah. I think that's pretty that's good. Pretty decent. Anyway, so, uh, I think I, at, at this point, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Actually, before we go, I kind of want to open this because I think it's it's been kind of my uh, something I've wanted to do is I wanted to open up the forum to our viewers to ask questions because I want to do a kind of a Q and A at the end of these for like now on. So. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily to the antaniomorph, but just ask a question about something related to this podcast, and then we'll we'll maybe answer it. So, and if if anybody has any requests for future subjects oh, that yeah, you want to discuss ad nauseum, uh, etc., then uh, we're we're more than happy to sit here and ramble for forty five minutes on pretty much anything you want. Yep. Um, this this is an incredibly complicated and impossibly complicated setting, and there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, if you want us to talk for, for 50 minutes about Vivix Wang, we'll do that. We do that for free. We do that <laughs> in our spare time, you know. Yeah, stop by stop by the Facebook group Elder Scrolls Lore and and see mm -hmm. lots of lots of drug jokes. Uh. <laughs> and uh, the most of us are on here from the uh, TES Lore subreddit. Yep. And uh, and does anybody have any other plugs you want to do? I guess I'd send a shout out to the webpage I just launched last week, the new whirlingschool.com, which is a line by line and on occasion word by word interpretation of the 36 lessons of Vivek. Yeah. So uh, we're up to Sermon cool, 6. Guys. Check it out. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you read those books and you were wondering, like everybody does, what the hell is going on, this website is for you. Has anybody found a milk finger, anyways? Has anybody, plugged, uh, uh, has anybody ever plugged Lady Nerevar's uh, Guide to Becoming a Lore Buff on these years? Ooh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Really so Devs recently mentioned that in a, in a blog post of theirs. It's phenomenal. It's really good. Yeah. It's on, it's on the Bethesda official forums uh, The uh, in the Elder Scrolls lore. It's stickied at the top. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, Plug the uh, Imperial Library. Done here. You can link all the stuff down in the YouTube video. Yeah, that's the comments uh, below. Yeah, and, uh, and also the Imperial Library. If the fastest way to become an Elder Scrolls lore buff is just to sit down and get lost and just read and read and read and read and get get lost. How to become a lore buff? I'm sure we'd all have different opinions there. Like, how did you get gain your knowledge? Like, we could each talk. We could do a whole podcast about how we came to the lore and, and how you know our methodology. Actually, it's not a bad idea. Uh, my my version of that story is a tearjerker. I don't know if we want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, really personal. I'm not sure yeah. I want to go there yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I started. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I I think I'm not too proud. I'm not proud, and uh, I'm not so proud that I want to admit that the first time I got into Elder Scrolls lore was when I, when I read this one blog, dude. I'll link it to you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which was the uh, 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 the metaphysics of Morrowind which is an excellent blog that everybody should read and then immediately start reading more stuff because it's very good, but it's only one version of the truth. Um, but, uh, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll make sure and link a lot of this stuff into the uh, description of this uh, movie of this uh, podcast. And I think at this point, it's probably safe to say that we're probably going to be able to bang out at least one of these a month is the schedule we're looking at, which is not a good way to become a millionaire, but that's the way we're going to do it anyway. Depending uh, on how many people we can get involved, we could maybe do more. Yeah, it'd be nice. I've, I know I've been knocking around the idea of doing like solo casts myself, like uh, like uh, like uh, IFW did, which is a, a, it's a good idea when you've got something hot that you want to talk about and you just can't grab enough people, then just start yeah, recording one yourself. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, Ice Fire Warden, anytime you want to get on here or do another one, please do. Yeah. I think his internet is a little weird, if I understand correctly, so that's a little bit hard for him to do. But, well, still. Um, yeah. Please. <laughs> please, <Wow>. yes, please. <laughs> Um, so we, uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, thanks for showing up, everybody who's watching this, and we will see you when we see you. Exactly. Goodbye. Bye. Sorry, Nora. <laughs>